People of God, today is the seventh Sunday of Easter. Therefore, we will once again declare, Christ is risen. risen Let us hear God's word, the gospel reading again from John chapter 17. Let's begin in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him, and this eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom God, to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they received them. And they have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Let us pray. We do give you praise and thanks, Lord God of heaven and earth, that you have given us your Son so that he might live and die and rise again and then ascend to your presence to be seated at your right hand. Help us to realize the glory of your works in and through your Son, Jesus, our Savior, and help us to honor him with our lives. Grant us understanding of your holy word. We ask this for Jesus' sake who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you heard, but this this past Thursday, May 18th, some things happened in the world. The governor of Montana signed a ban on the app TikTok into law. That's of note. The UN agency told us that global warming will briefly cross a dangerous threshold. The Turkish prime minister told the world that Russia and Ukraine have extended a deal to ship grain through the Black Sea. Again on Thursday, Texas lawmakers approved a bill seeking to ban gender-affirming care for transgender youth. We can even look back in history for this past Thursday, May 18th, and see some things, perhaps some of significance. In 2012, Facebook had its initial public offering and raised $16 billion. By the way, today, Facebook's net worth is estimated, or meta or whatever it is, to be 630 billion dollars. In 1980, there was an eruption on Mount St. Helens. 
1860, Abraham Lincoln became the Republican nominee for president. Again, on May 18th, back in history, we can see that in 1804, the French Senate proclaimed Napoleon Bonaparte emperor. We can go back a little further and look at 1642 and see that the French-Canadian city of Montreal was founded. We can go back just a little further to 1281, where after a hundred years of Christians leading the city of Acre, that Muslim forces besieged the city. Now this city is in Israel. And on this day, after 30 days of taking that city siege, enslaved and massacred 60,000 Christians. Now, I only bring all of these things up in history to say, we got up on Thursday morning, and we went about our business. But if you, you didn't recognize it, Thursday was 40 days after the day of Christ's resurrection, Easter Sunday. And at 40 days, that is the day of our Lord's ascension to the right hand of the Father. So about 2,000 years ago, 40 days after he rose from the dead, Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father, from which he rules everything whether it's a volcano erupting, a man being called emperor, a city being sieged, a presidential nominee being appointed, he reigns over them all. We need to understand that today, Ascension Sunday, maybe next year we'll have a service, I don't know, on, on the Thursday evening, but I want us to come to recognize that today the church thinks back and recognizes that Jesus Christ wasn't just a savior for our sins and it's warm and fuzzy and now we feel better about ourselves because we don't have to, to look to, to be thrown into hell. But he is also our king. And he is the king over all of the earth and over all things that happen on this earth. We know that from his resurrection all the way to his ascension that Jesus appears to more than 500 of his followers. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus takes these days to reveal himself, to comfort his disciples by proclaiming peace, John 20, to restore those who had lost faith in trusting and following Jesus. We see that in John 21. We see that Jesus took time in those 40 days to teach his disciples, Luke 24, and he eats with them again in John 21. Jesus prepares his disciples for his returning to God the Father. Jesus prepares the disciples for the work that they have been tasked with, and that is to disciple the nations. This past Thursday was, in fact, 40 days from Easter, the day that Christ was resurrected. I know you're thinking you're repeating yourself. I'm doing this on purpose. 
Do we understand this? That our Savior ascended to the presence of God and was placed at the right hand of the Father and all authority is His? Do we live like that? That He is truly King? This day we can rejoice that in God the Father's faithfulness to Jesus, God the Son, the Father has accepted Jesus' substitution for the punishment of our sins. In His resurrection, we know that sin and death has been defeated. We see in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Who? Us. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he's speaking to the people of God. My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Because you know what? Sometimes we get up and we say, yeah, man. There's this big disaster going on somewhere in the world. Or we say, look, there's wicked leaders in place. There's war. I'm getting opposition in my life. But we, because of the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, should be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because this work is not in vain. Unfortunately, the day of ascension is typically overlooked. For many Christians and churches, Thursday was just another day in their week. Many have put their thoughts of the Easter season to the side. But this season... The ascension is the culmination of the work of Jesus Christ and his empowering of his people, the church, to complete our assigned work of bringing glory to his name so that the nations will be discipled. The ascension is too often neglected. Jesus' placement at the right hand of God the Father establishes Jesus' claim of authority over heaven and earth. God the Father begins vindicating Jesus as king over all creation on the day of ascension. Now, normally we don't think in these terms. But, you know, there's a wonderful little book on Revelation that said, that's called The Vindication of Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus comes into his place of authority at the right hand of the Father, it is the beginning of his vindication that he is who he said he was, that he has the authority that he says he has. And at the close of the Old Covenant, all of the words that Jesus spoke in judgment and his calls of repentance, and if you don't repent, when Jerusalem and the temple are destroyed and the false high priest is killed and put aside, All of those things are the vindication of Jesus Christ. We need to recognize that Christ ascending to the right hand of the Father has always been God's plan. God at creation 
gave a dominion mandate to Adam. He was to rule over the earth. And we know that Adam fell. And he wasn't able to complete that task. Adam sinned and brought all of mankind into sin. Adam in his cursed state could not sit on the throne. Jesus comes as a man, the new Adam, and is worthy to sit on the throne prepared to him. Jesus coming to earth, his atoning death, his resurrection, and his ascension establishes the new humanity. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God had determined to place his son on the throne over heaven and earth. You know, it's interesting. The first place that we see the word Christ, Messiah, anointed one, is in Hannah's song of praise for the Lord giving her a son, Samuel, who, by the way, is going to anoint David as king from the line of Judah, where Jesus will eventually descend from. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10, the adversaries of Yahweh shall be broken into pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. Yahweh will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. There's that word, anointed, Messiah, the Christ. We see in Psalm 2, beginning of verse 4, after we hear the portion where the nations are raging and they're conspiring against God and they're trying to come against God and His Son, His Anointed One. And it says this, He who sits in the heavens, that's God the Father, shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then He shall speak to them in His wrath, those who are standing opposed to Him, and, in, and distress them in His deep displeasure. displeasure. He says this, and this is God the Father speaking, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. And now here we see the son speaking. Yahweh has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you what? The nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. So part of Jesus' great commission to us, which we'll talk more about next week on the day of Pentecost, but part of what he has done is this authority has been given to him. He ascends to the right hand. He then sends us the Spirit to carry out the task. We operate under the authority, empowered by the Spirit, but under the authority of King Jesus and God himself in the early days of the kingdom of Israel under the psalmist's hands, speaks this truth to us. We also see later on another place in Scripture, in Daniel chapter 7, where we can see again the intent for God to send His Son and for Him to ascend into the heavens and to be placed in this place of authority. Daniel has a vision. In Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 13, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given what? Dominion, glory, 
and the kingdom. For what purpose? That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. You know, when Jesus came, he knew that he would ascend to the Father. We see in John chapter 6, where Jesus says, What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? So we know from Philippians 2, what did he do? He came from heaven, submitted himself, and came down as a man for us. We also see in John chapter 7, again, Jesus says this, I know him, for I am with him, and he sent me. In John 7, we see that Jesus says this, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. He knew that he had his time here, that he was going to die on the cross for our sins, and that in representation of all the authority that he had in his perfection and the work he did, he would ascend to the right hand of the Father, and all authority would be given to him. We see in John 14 even, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Why would we rejoice when he goes to the Father? Because he is enthroned with all power and authority. All this mess, all the struggles, all the things that are going on in the world should not cause you to fret. We should rejoice because he is king. We then see during those 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus telling his disciples that the Spirit would come after he goes to the Father. This reminds them of the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples in John 14, that he would give them the Spirit, and this would be after he leaves. Jesus, once on his throne, will send the Holy Spirit to give us power to complete the task of discipling the nations. When we consider our epistle reading today from Acts chapter 1, we hear this. Now when he, that's Jesus, had, bro- had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You know, this text causes us, again, to remember that text in Daniel 7, where he is received up through the clouds into heaven. We see that the Son of Man is going to the Father, the Ancient of Days, to ascend to the right hand, the place of power and authority. Jesus ascends to God in the cloud. Now, this is interesting because it's important that we understand this. You see, kids, are you listening to me? Right? Jesus didn't go up and get in a, a bus that was a cloud and it drove him to heaven. No, in fact, what this cloud is, is this is the glory cloud. Remember in the old covenant, the Lord shows up and he brings his presence and it represents God's presence on the earth. And he comes and he establishes his cloud over the people of God. This is the glory of God. Remember in our gospel reading, there's this interchange between Jesus and he's speaking to the Father about I've brought you glory, bring me glory, establish the glory. This is the glory cloud of God. So he ascends through the glory cloud, 
where he is glorified and placed on the throne. You see, Jesus is the man worthy to rule heaven and earth. Jesus, when at the right hand of the Father, makes intercession for his people, the church. That's you and I. He intercedes for us, and he begins by sending the gift of the Spirit. People of God, there is no greater king. There is no greater authority. There is no other man who can compare in glory and honor. There is no other who is worthy of worship and praise. There is none like King Jesus, the one anointed by the Ancient of Days to sit on the throne. King Jesus is sitting enthroned and asking his Father for the nations. King Jesus gives his people the Spirit, and I keep saying this again, to fulfill the task given us to disciple the nations. We need to understand, though, that there are always those that are competing to be king. Just as Psalm 2 tells us there are competing kings to the one true king, men and women who take counsel together against God and his anointed. People conspire to rename and redefine God's creation, attempting to usurp and break the bond set by Jesus, who was anointed to be king. What brought fear to Pilate? Remember, Pilate is Caesar's representative. He's the emperor of the kingdom. But what brought fear to Pilate during Jesus' trial? It was that Jesus was the king from heaven. And like so many, Pilate eventually disregarded his fear. He did not kiss the son. Pilate not only did not trust God and his son, but Pilate joined his arch enemy Herod in his opposition to Jesus. We see in Luke 23 that it says after Pilate goes ahead and says, okay, we're going to go ahead and put him to death. It says that Pilate and Herod became friends and they have been they have been competitors for the authority of this area. People all over the world desire to set themselves up as false kings. Psalm 2 reminds us that those who rebel do so knowing they are bound to the submission of God. Frequently, you and I look about the world and shake our heads at the state of the world and all of those who are raging. We see all those people who do not live submitting to the king. Grievously, we too, even as the people of God, do not live our lives in submission to the king. We want to cling to the promises of Deuteronomy 5 that God shows mercy to thousands of generations who love God and keep his commandments. But this command is associated with the promise that we are to have no other gods before the triune God. We are to have no other king. We need to hear what the implications are for us, the people of God, in Jesus' ascension as king. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says this, If then you, and so he is speaking to the people of God, you were raised in Christ, 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of earth. Don't order your life according to the rulers and the desires of yourself and the gods of this world, but order your life knowing that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is set upon the throne. For you died, and your life is hidden in Christ with God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, this passage here begs us to remember what it says in Romans 6, beginning of verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should walk in newness of life. We, the people of God, have been raised in Christ the King who is seated at the right hand of God. We must live in the newness of life that God has given all of us. People of God, you carry the sign and the seal of the name of the triune God. If you've been baptized, you carry the name of God. Right now, I'm going to do as one pastor says, grab you by your baptism and say, you are the people of God, Live knowing that your life is set before the king. When we return back to that passage in Colossians chapter 3, let us give our full hearing to this. Verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived with them or lived in them. People of God, we have to stop living impure lives. The newness of life that God, the Father, has provided through the Son, King Jesus, by the power of the gift of the Spirit, empowers us to mortify or to put to death our sin. We are to deprive our sin those things which add strength to our sins. The sexual sin spoken of here includes any unsanctified sex act, whether it be adultery, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, lesbianism, incest, or any other perversion that the world can come up with. We cannot serve King Jesus if we allow these sins to live in our lives. Mortify this sin. Kill it. Deprive these these sins of the things that make these sins grow. When a weed comes up, pull it. And if I can be honest just for a second, when I say deprive it of the things that make it grow, if we're honest, we know what that is. In our lives, those things we do, it's just a little compromise. You know, it's not quite this little thing. You know, that's not the big sin. You know, 
It, it's just watching that little reel. It's not porn. It's just that little reel. Or it might be, I'm, I'm just giving in just a little bit right here, but it's okay. It's not a big sin. It's not a big sin. No. Take those things, those places. Don't go to that place. Don't hang out with those people. If that's going to lead you to sin, if that's going to nourish your sin, cut it off. Mortify it. Kill it. Don't feed it. Why? Because you carry the name of King Jesus. Pull up the weeds when they pop up. God's word doesn't leave us with just sexual sins to consider, but the verse goes on, this passage goes on in verse 8, and says, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these. And maybe you thought, oh, I'm good. I don't have the sexual sin problem. Hear this list and think about this. We are to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who was renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. That means, I don't care what people group you are, what your background is, where you come from, any of it, This word speaks to you if you're in Christ Jesus. Are you honoring to King Jesus? Are you angry at work? Do you bring that anger home? Are you impatient with your spouse? Do you carry that wrath to your wife or to your husband? Do you bring wrath and anger to your children? Do you desire to be malicious to others? Do you want to see God's vengeance on them and you want to take it in your own hands? Do you want others to get what you think they have coming? Do you blaspheme? And listen, blasphemy, this is what you do when you live your life in a way that is empty of actually carrying God's name as king. And you live in a way that causes others to blaspheme and hate God. Do you bring glory to God in your speech? Or do you seek the approval of other kings? Are you being deceitful? Are you being deliberate in speaking falsehoods? Now adults, I can say that to you. And you you know what I'm talking about. Children. Do not lie to your parents. Do not lie to one another. It's not pleasing to God. The good news is that Jesus did die for you, the people of God. Jesus was resurrected for you, the people of God. And yes, Jesus ascended in the great and glorious manner to the right hand of the Ancient of Days for you. When he ascended, God the Father and God the Son sent the Spirit so we could put off the old man. King Jesus, by the regeneration of the Spirit, empowers us to put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge to be conformed to his image. As a Christian, 
We are made righteousness for Jesus' sake. God calls us to remember to bring glory to Him by killing our sin. We must confess our sin. We must not nourish our sin. We must submit to King Jesus and be conformed to His image. People of God, allegiance to King Jesus is required. There is no neutrality. There is no space in all of heaven and all of earth. No place, no thought, no idea, or any way of life that is not under King Jesus' jurisdiction. Despite the efforts of men from all, from all ages and every kingdom and every country and every people and tribe, Every person must hear the words of Psalm 2, verse 12. Kiss the Son. Put your trust in Him. Why? Because God also has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the joy of the resurrection. We thank you that our Lord is seated at your right hand and that all things are under his government and his authority. Give us grace, therefore, to take hold of our lives in light of his ascension, to trust him, to mortify our sin, and to rest in the comfort that what He has begun in us, He will complete. Let us be strengthened that we are His, and He loves us far more than we are capable of loving one another. How great You are, O Lord! How marvelous is Your providential care and government! We thank You for the joy of this day, the day we remember that Jesus is King over heaven and earth. Amen.